and welcome to the Creative Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Van Doren, and in this podcast, I talk with some of the most creative and inspiring people that I know. From hearing about their process to what holds them back from creating, routines and rituals, to the intersection between creativity and spirituality, you'll hear from writers, actors, singers, dancers, musicians, painters, multi-passionate creatives, and anyone else who considers themselves a creative soul. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Creative Soul Podcast. Thank you for being here, first and foremost, and I'm so excited for this week's episode, my conversation with Corey Leger. So Corey is a multi-passionate artist and productivity coach for creatives. As an actor and voiceover artist, she has appeared in many independent films, national commercials, animation, video games, audiobooks, and more. She's also a filmmaker with several short films under her belt and multiple feature scripts in the works. As a coach, Corey hosts Your Creative Life, a creative community designed to help multi-passionate actors take control over their dreams and build thriving creative careers without sacrificing the holistically fulfilled life they deserve. I so much enjoyed my conversation with Corey because she understands creativity in the way that I understand it to be this abundant source of inspiration that you can always tap into and in this conversation she talks really tangibly about tips that you can do to see your creative dreams come to life we talk about the importance of collaboration we talk about her relationship with her partner and how they are able to work creatively with each other and also show up together as new parents we talk about finding the time to be creative as a parent we talk about accountability and just how important community really is. Uh, Something we talk about that I love that we brought up in this conversation is reframing networking. And instead of thinking of networking as this kind of salesy, sleazy, slimy thing, really more focused on building your community of collaborators, people that you can create with. So I think you'll really enjoy this episode, especially if you're someone who has a lot of ideas but doesn't really know how to put those into action or you have all of these dreams of creative projects that you want to pursue, but time and resources and things are holding you back. I think listening to this episode with Corey will really help inspire you to just take action and find the people that will help support you and your creative life. Uh, We also in this episode talk about a quiz. It's uh, my creative type. It's a quiz and I think there's like six different artist types. So if you want to take that quiz, you can take that. It's totally free and it's just a fun way to think of what kind of collaborators you would need, um, especially based off what type you are. So I took the quiz. My type is the artist, which I think makes a lot of sense. But yeah, let me know if you take that quiz and what type you are. So yeah, we can keep the conversation going. I also want to say thank you to those of you who have left a rating and review on the podcast lately. It helps so much to not only get this podcast to more listeners, but really helps, inspires uh, me as a creative to keep going and to keep sharing my gift with the world. So thank you in advance. If you haven't already done a rating and review for the podcast, it just takes about two minutes. And when you do, I would love to send you my free guided writing meditation. So go ahead and just fill that out. Take a screenshot and then send it to me on Instagram at Leah Van Doren or on my email leahvandoren at gmail.com. So with that being said, let's dive into this episode with Corey Leger. 
Well, hello, Corey. Thanks so much for coming on the Creative Soul Podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So the first question I always start off with is what is currently fueling your creative soul? I love that question. You know, I was actually thinking about that earlier today that I've been doing morning pages forever, Mm -hmm. which if For those that don't know, it's like three pages of free thought every morning or evening or whenever you find the time to do it. And I've fallen off of it this week because of a bunch of family things. So Mm. the drive to get back to that is feeding my creative soul, but I'm also a knitter. So I would say that is the thing that I am the most obsessed with right now. Oh my gosh. What do you knit? Anything. Right now I'm, I have like eight projects going on. It's like a classic knitter problem where you start a project and you get into it and then you're like, Ooh, but this one, and, and then you migrate over to another one. But the one that I'm very close to finishing. So I'm taking my, my attention right now is a sweat, a sweater for my husband. Oh, oh my gosh. You're like a legitimate knitter. Cause (laughs) I mean, yeah, actually that's funny that you brought up knitting because when I was little, like, I think I learned how to knit when I was like seven and I would like just knit these little scarves Mm -hmm. that's all I knew how to do just like the basic pattern but I didn't even know how to start it so like my mom would always have to start it for me then I would knit and I it's like funny because I always think of knitting around like the holidays because it feels like such like a nice meditative winter activity but then I just haven't really gotten back into it since then but it, it it reminds me of like that really like doing something with your hands Mm -hmm. is something I think that my creativity probably needs a bit more of. So that's a really good reminder. Yeah. And the repetitive nature of knitting too can be really calming for my brain. I tend to be all over the place and have like a million to do's all swimming around in there all at once. And just like taking a step back and a breath, it's, it's, meditative for me in a way to just Mm. kind of have that redundancy of the stitch. I tend to choose patterns too that aren't really complicated. Not that I can't follow a lace pattern, but I like patterns that I can kind of zone out while I'm doing them so that I get that kind of step back away from things rather than just shifting my attention to be hyper-focused on something different. Mm. Oh, wow. I love that. Yeah. Mm. I like to usually start these conversations with just hearing more about your story and like your journey and what you do, why you do it. And so will you give us a little bit of background information on all of that? Absolutely. So I am first and foremost, an actor and a voiceover artist. I've been acting. I feel like this is so cliche and everyone says it, but I've been acting since childhood. I, (laughs) I love Thinking back to when I got started, I can't even pinpoint like the thing that got me into acting, but my dad and my brother and I used to make these home videos called uh, Brother and Sister. (laughs) That was literally the name of it. I love that. (laughs) But they were little, I'm the oldest. My brother's three years younger than me. And we would make little adventures that me and my brother Ryan would go on together. And (laughs) my dad would DP for us and like bless him that he never stopped recording when he told me that he did because I get to see the little director in me too in the behind the scenes when I thought the video wasn't rolling and I'd be like Ryan you said that wrong or like do it this way and do it that way and so naturally I have also added directing and screenwriting to my repertoire of things that I do creatively but yeah definitely all stemmed back from like I think it's just always been in me that that creative urge to tell stories and 
even with all of the different mediums that I've dabbled in writing, filmmaking, acting, voiceover, even coaching. Now I'm also a coach. It's always the, the like kind of streamline of all of that is storytelling. Mm, yeah. The three, like, it's like, that's what it's all just different mediums to tell stories. And so you're a storyteller, which I love. And I, and I love hearing from other like fellow multi-passionate creatives because mm-hmm. I'm the same way. It's like, you know, I grew up acting and singing and dancing and also now writing and, and yeah. like all the different things that we do. And so I, yeah, it's, it's like beautiful tools in your toolbox that you can reach for in just, you know, a different way to express something or to, to, to share something. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and it's nice to have those different avenues too, because some stories lend themselves to one medium or another. I mean, not all books make great movies and not all movies needed to stem from a book and vice versa. I was actually listening. I just listened to the audiobook for The Silent Patient. Have you read that one or heard of that one? No, I never heard of it. It's, it was really good. I won't, it's a thriller, so I won't say too much about it because if I say too much, I'll give it away. But there was an interview with the author at the end and he, I didn't know this until after, but he was a screenwriter first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about how this story lended itself to a novel and he just like figured out how to do it because he was like, well, that, that's what this story is calling for. Mm-hmm. And it was really cool. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah, and I wonder for yourself, like, Have you felt, because I always think of that with like our creative projects and like kind of being the vehicle for which that creative project wants to like, wants to be channeled through. And so Mm -hmm. for you, how have you kind of identified that like calling of, of what this wants to be or like how, how can you be in service to that thing that wants to come through you? If that makes sense. That's a great question. And I wish that I had a more like clear answer for myself, but it is there is so much of it that is just feeling it out. I mean, I've definitely, I'm definitely more in the medium of visual and and film just because that's what I like feel the strongest drive towards. Mm. But I've definitely had stories before where I'm like, this needs like the deeper inner work. Not that you don't do the inner work as an actor, as you know, like you're always doing that inner work as an actor and knowing what's going on behind the head, like within the head of the actor or the character. But when you're reading a book, you can make sure that the audience knows exactly what's going on. When you're acting, it's open for interpretation. Like I might see an actor perform a scene one way and think, oh, this is their inner monologue. And somebody else might see the exact same scene and think something completely different. So what I like about that and the the film and television medium is that you do get that audience interpretation Mm. on top of everything. You get it in books too, but there's, I think there's a lot more to be interpreted. Mm on an individual basis with, with film. Yeah. So it becomes kind of like a communication with your audience and this like co-creating this experience together, because you might, you might present it in one way, but it might be interpreted in a totally different way, which is like the beautiful thing about good art is that we can all have our own interpretations and, and stuff like that. Yeah. My husband and I wrote and directed a film together several years ago that went on the festival circuit and 
when we were doing Q and A's afterwards, it was so interesting because there's this piece of the film that's kind of left ambiguous as to who this character is. It's kind of implied that she could either be like the older version of a younger character or the younger version of an older character that's in the film. And it was so interesting. I know for me what it was, but I will never say because the audience was always split 50-50 and not like, oh, I think it's this. Like people were adamant that they were right in both directions. And I I thought that was so interesting. Oh, that's so cool. What a cool Mm -hmm. experience to create that and then have those opposite polarized reactions that that is such a metaphor for just life right now. So I love that. (laughs) That is so true. Yeah. But yeah, I, so going back to kind of your story and Mm -hmm. you kind of having all of these different passions, did you find like a certain avenue that really spoke to you or how did you kind of get started with all of that? Sure. Acting was always like my first and truest love. And I would still say that that's kind of what I gravitate back towards always. And whenever I find that something feels off in my life, it's usually that I'm not acting enough. Like even not even that I'm not booking enough, just that I am not like nurturing that piece of myself. And when I'm not nurturing that side of myself, everything feels out of, out of alignment. And then from there, uh, everything kind of spawned from that as far as expanding the world of opportunity for myself as an actor. So I would, you know, I've written stuff that I've acted in and I've directed stuff that I've acted in, but it hasn't always been a necessity to act in it. It just usually pans out that way just because it it can be so, the, the life and career of an actor can be so challenging in the sense that it's, there's so many gatekeepers. There are so many people that can decide whether or not you get to do your craft that day if you let them. Mm. And that's the way the industry is built. And I don't think that there's anything, I don't think that looking at it negatively is the way to go about it. It's just for me, giving myself the opportunity to let that just be part of my acting career. Like, yes, some of these jobs are behind a gatekeeper, but I can also create all of these other beautiful opportunities for myself on my own without a gatekeeper. And so it kind of blossomed from there and that realization that like, I don't have to just be sitting here twiddling my thumbs, waiting for somebody else to say yes. I can choose myself and I can say yes for myself and continue to have these like beautiful creative moments. My husband and I actually just did a 48-hour film festival together two weekends ago, which was really fun. We signed up for it. It is what it sounds like. So you have 48 hours to make a film, like from concept to finished product. We'd always been creative partners together. That's how we met. We met on set. He's a director, writer, and editor. And then I've got, you know, the director, writer, actor side of things. So we, we mesh very well together. But anyway, it had been a while since we had made anything that was ours. We've both worked on other people's projects and we've been working from a concept standpoint on a lot of projects together over the last two years. But because of the pandemic, plus having a baby and moving, we hadn't been on set for our own project in over two years. 
Mm-hmm. And when we learned about this 48 hour film festival, we were just like, you know what? Let's do it. Like, why not? Why not do it? It'll be a fun thing that we can do together. We ended up doing it as just a two person crew. Like I was the only actor in it. We were the only two people that had any kind of touch point with the film through the whole process. And it was a blast. And is it the like best film in the world? No, of course not. But that wasn't the point. The point was to reconnect with that part of ourselves and with each other. Mm. And it was amazing. Oh, I love hearing that. And I really relate to what you said about, you know, having gatekeepers because I, or like gatekeepers existing in the theater world, the acting world, or, you know, kind of like the professional artist world. Cause I have a very similar background where I was coming from the musical theater world. I wanted to do theater and acting, but like, couldn't get like the idea of just like, wait, I, I have to wait for you to tell me yes. Like that doesn't sit well with me. So then I started creating my own projects. I wrote a one woman show. I self-published a poetry book and it felt so good to take my creative life in my own hands and knowing that there was no one else that was going to exist outside of me and say, yeah, you're good enough to do this. You're talented enough to do this, which, which I think is what I really was raised to believe in the theater world. It's like, you know, that the most talented person gets the main role or whatever that is, but it's like, no, I can decide to do that for myself. And so for you, like how, how did that turning point happen and how did you kind of have the motivation and drive to be able to create your own work? Cause I think a lot of people get stuck on that aspect because it, it does take a lot of I don't know, motivation and driver. I'd love to hear from you. Like, what does it take to be able to take your creative life into your own hands and just kind of run with it and, and see it blossom where it wants to go? Yeah. First of all, props to you for doing a one woman show that has always terrified me. I think that's so incredible. Like well, so it sounds impressive. like you did a one woman film. So probably. <laughs> yeah. So. But doing a one woman film is very different than being on stage as the only person up there trying to entertain an audience for, you know, one act to three or whatever it was like, that's like round of applause to you. Seriously. Thank you. Um, Yeah. So it's funny. I would say that the biggest factor in me being able to kind of propel those creative projects forward has been my network. Like my, I don't like the word network. I prefer community is my community of people within the industry. Obviously I have to give like major credit to my husband and how supportive he has been. We've worked on so many projects together, but I don't want to give the impression that like, oh, you need to go marry somebody in the industry in order to do your own work. Like obviously not, but having those people in your circle, whether they are friends or acquaintances or even even just colleagues who you share creative vision with having those people that you can go to and be like, Hey, this is an idea. And I would love to do this. And I would love for you to be part of it Mm. was, was a game changer. We've made films that had zero budget, like literally did not spend a dime. Okay. Maybe like a hundred bucks on food for everybody, like Mm -hmm. to, I like, you know, over 10,000, like thousands of dollars on films, not anything, you know, we haven't had like hundreds of thousands of dollars on projects yet, but it didn't matter how much money we had. If the people that we were working with were excited about the project, Mm. no one's ever going to be excited 
as excited about a project that is your baby as you are. And so feeling like understanding that was helpful for me because it was like, just because they aren't sharing quite my level of enthusiasm doesn't mean that they're not excited about it. It just means that this is my baby and that's why I'm spearheading it. But knowing that like, I have somebody who also has their own community of people and being able to kind of pull multiple communities together to make something is the reason that so many of these projects were able to to happen. A friend of mine and I, we wrote a script together that was literally based on a conversation that we had via text. Like I'm really thankful it happened via text because we just turned (laughs) the text into dialogue. But it was one of these like ridiculous conversations that in the, in the moment we were so serious about it and so heated. And then afterwards we were like, did we seriously have a conversation about that? The film was called Maximum Wage and it was me giving her some tough love about the fact that they were like cutting their hours at work, like saying that they worked less than they did because they like went on a pee break or like, you know, like had to have something like a snack or just thought that they weren't as effective as they should have been. And this person is incredibly driven and like very, very, like very productive. And I like had to have a heart to heart with them being like, no, 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 like, no, you are undervaluing yourself. Absolutely not. Anyway, so we turned it into a film because afterwards we're like, I can't believe that we had this conversation, but also we cannot be the only people that have ever had that thought of like, oh, well, maybe I should just charge a little bit less because like, you know, I, I did have to like, I, I messed something up and it took me an extra five minutes to do it. So I shouldn't charge for that five minutes. It's like, no, (laughs) absolutely not. But anyway, that's the film that we made with like literally no budget because she had her network of people and I had my network of people and my husband had his network of people and we just kind of called in a lot of favors and we're like, Hey, this is a fun project. We made it in a week. Like we, from the idea to being like, you know what, let's just do it. Let's, let's stop twiddling our thumbs. We're going to shoot on Friday, whoever we can get to like volunteer and help us out. Great. Here we go. And it happened. It came together just like the 48 hour film festival came together. We had a final film at the end to submit. And it's always incredible to me, like you can take years and years and years to make a film or you can take 48 hours. And I'm not saying one is better than the other, but it's so easy to get stuck, stuck in that perfectionist cycle to never, and then never see anything to fruition. And if you get stuck in that perfectionism, for me, what helps is to remember, like, if I don't ever finish this, no one gets to see it. And that was the whole point was to share the story. So I'm depriving my audience, community, people who could resonate with this and people who could grow or learn or feel validated by this project. I'm depriving them of the ability to feel that way. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that. Cause that's something that I always frame that similar idea of like your creativity as a gift And why would you like keep your gifts hidden from the people that really need it and who would be overjoyed to receive this gift? And I love that it's really that same idea. And just the fact that you were taking inspiration from real life, like from what was right in front of you, Mm -hmm. from a conversation you had with a friend, and that kind of sparked this idea. And 
again, it's like we can sit on our, on our ideas and wait for that perfect moment, but that perfect moment's never going to happen. So it's like, you got that done in a week. And I think that can be so inspiring to people that you can take your ideas and make them into something. And you just kind of have to do it. It's like, it's like, there's no secret sauce. It's just like, you have to just do it. And so collaborating with people and, and finding people in your community to help out and using their strengths. It's like, Mm -hmm. I loved what you said that you're kind of that director, writer, actor, your husband's more of the director, writer, editor. So having those different people in your life that like, is that role. I remember there was this like quiz. Oh my gosh. I'm going to have to link it in the show notes. Cause I don't remember what it, what it exactly is, but it was like the five different artist types. Ooh. And it was kind of like, like one of the types was a producer. One of the types was a creator. So it's like kind of finding, building your collaboration team. And if you're not a producer, you want to find a producer to have on your team. You know, if you're the writer, it's like kind of building out your team and your community of people, those, those people that you can work with and where you can all use each other's strengths and gifts to create something really beautiful together. Yeah. And I think that's, that is the kind of mindset and, and energy that if we could all just go into quote unquote networking events with that kind of energy, then it wouldn't feel awful and yucky and salesy and scary. It's because that's not what it's about. That's not what it's about at all. It literally is just like, how can I help you? How can you help me? How can we make beautiful work together? Hmm. Yeah, that's, I love that so much. And I'm so curious about how that does play out in your partnership and your relationship, because I am someone who like could never imagine, well, not, not never imagine, but like me and my partner are so different. He's not creative in the same sense that I'm creative. And I always find that so interesting when people can create with their partners. And so will you talk a bit more about that and what that brings out in your dynamic and how that all works? Yeah, it's, you know, we've had extreme highs and a couple of those when trying to work on creative projects together, but as any relationship has its ups and downs, so do creative ones. But I mean, it was the thing that brought us together. First and foremost, we met on a film set. He was just helping out a friend. He was in film school at the time and I was cast in the, as the lead in his friend's film. So he was just helping out as he, he was just PA that day, but he picked me up from the train station and it was like sparks, but we were both very professional and we're like, you know, just kept it professional. And then at the end of that, he cast me in his thesis film as the lead in his thesis film because of my work on that film. I love teasing him about this because the breakdown description, character description for the role I ended up playing in his thesis film was blonde hair, blue eyes, five, six, which for those of you who cannot see me, I am 4'11 brunette with brown eyes. So (laughs) nailed it. (laughs) nowhere close to the right description but alas I ended up getting the role and and I will say I was up against a couple other people he didn't just like cast me because he had a crush on me but a little bit he did (laughs) but again we kept it professional through his thesis film and then he asked me out after we wrapped his thesis film and from there we started dating and and you know that's sort of history but we didn't work as like collaborative creative leaders on anything until a couple years into our relationship. And it was, you know, I never, for a very long time, I didn't take this kind of initiative to create my own work. I did as a child and then 
school and life and a million other things happened. And I was kind of just the person who was like, I will be the actor in your thing. And I had a million other worlds in which I was a leader, but I never, I I fell away from being a creative leader for a while. Mm. And then because as, as actors, we, we work so hard to like be malleable and take direction that I kind of like lost that director part of myself. I'm really glad it came back, <laughs> but something happened in my life that I needed to process. And I had this idea for a film that was kind of abstract, but it, it needed to be shared. Like I just like, it, it was kind of a lightning in the bottle moment where I was like, the story has to be told. It has to get out. It was therapeutic to be completely honest. I wrote the script. I wrote three drafts of the script in one night because I don't know if you've ever done the artist way. It comes up a lot when I talk, but there's a week in the artist way when it's called the reading deprivation week where you're not allowed to read anything. And I, I always, whenever I do the artist way, I always expand that to social media and television, podcasts, audiobooks, all of the things, because the idea, at least my interpretation of the idea is that if you decrease your input of like information and all of the things you can increase your output of creativity. So I tried to decrease all of my input, but of course that week I was babysitting a lot. And one night I was babysitting and the kid went down and the parents weren't going to be home for like four hours. And I was like, okay, what do I do? (laughs) I can't read. I can't get on my phone. I can't watch TV. And I wrote the script and I, I flew through multiple drafts of the script. And that was my calling, if you will, to be like, okay, I need to make this. And so I shared it with my husband because he was the filmmaker of the, of the, relationship at the time. He was the one who went to film school. He was the one who had, you know, made multiple films already. And so I was like, what do you think? And I remember I shared it with him, like while we were in line for a Tribeca film festival screening and he read it on the phone. And then he was just like, okay, so where do you want to go after the screening for dinner? And I was like, are you, are are you serious? Like thoughts, say something, anything about the, like, you're not going to say anything. And he was like, no, 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 it was great. I I'm processing. And from there, we started working together on projects. And one thing that we've learned in, in working together on creative projects is that it's, it's always good to know who kind of has that 51% to the other person's 49% Mm. in the decision-making process on a given project we are very like receptive to each other's feedback and ideas, but it's good to know. And we try to balance out like, okay, the last one was kind of like, quote unquote, my project. So the next one's quote unquote, your project, Mm -hmm. just so that if there is a decision where we can't compromise or compromising would affect the integrity of the story, like it needs to be one or the other, Mm -hmm. we know who we default to in that decision so that we can keep moving forward. And that helps so much with the emotions of like rejection or feel like it, it helps us not feel invalidated by the other person. Cause it's just like, okay, like that was my idea, but you know, he had this idea and this project is his. So great. I have had my opportunities to veto his ideas on my projects. And it's that balance of being able to 
work together and support each other's craft, but recognizing that we do tell stories differently and we're interested in, in telling different kinds of stories. So we support each other and, and balance each other out while still being our own individuals creative, creatively, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, that's actually such a great tip that it's like someone kind of has to take the lead so that when you are in those sticky moments of deciding between something or, you know, someone, someone does in a way have to take the lead. And I, and I really resonated with the term that you said, like being a creative leader and what you spoke to about being an actor, because I think an actor is, is, and the way that I was taught in acting too. And I think a lot of actors can relate to this where, you know, you're in service to the project. So you didn't write it, a, a playwright wrote it. You're not directing it. So it's not your creative vision. It's like, you're really there to, to tell that story as truthfully as you can, but you don't have that like uh, creative ownership or the, you know, that creative leadership. And so mm-hmm. I love that you brought that into how you just, dis- how you like rediscovered that for yourself, because it's so amazing when we can start to tell our own stories or the stories that we want to tell rather than constantly, yeah, trying to be what everyone else needs in mm-hmm. a way. Yeah. 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 And I wonder too, kind of going back to like this collaboration piece and just the importance of having this community around you. Well, this is kind of switching gears, but this has been a question that has been on my mind in relating to how you know, now you're, you guys are both parents together and you're Mm -hmm. parenting and you have a baby. Mm -hmm. And so how has your creative life shifted from going from, what would you call it? Baby, you know, (laughs) pre-baby, post-baby, because I think something that I've always dealt with as like a fear of like, oh, well, I got to get all my creative projects done now before I have kids. Or once I have kids, I'm not going to have time for my own creative life or all of these kind of stories that I have internally. So Mm -hmm. I'm curious for you how it's been, especially being so creative and working with your husband, like how has that transition been to being parents and how do you find time to still feed that (laughs) part of yourself? That is the, the age old question, right? How do you find time with kids? No, I'm so glad you brought up those fears because I 100% had all of those fears myself as well. And it was something that I always struggled with in, you know, to be honest, like from a very young age, because I always knew that I wanted to be a mom Mm. and I always knew that I wanted to be an actor. And I had a really hard time for years marrying those two ideas together into a single like cohesive life Mm -hmm. because what I imagined my creative life looked like didn't fit it like literally wasn't compatible with what I wanted my mothering to look like but I knew that I needed to make them both fit together and work together and it wasn't until I found a way to adjust my vision of what I wanted my creative life to look like away from what other people told me was a valid, successful, creative career to what I actually truly genuinely wanted for my life as a whole. I, once I finally was able to shift that and be like, oh no, actually this is what I want. This is what I want my creative life to look like. I found harmony between the like the personal parental side of my life and what that would look like and my creative life because we only have one life 
We are not our work or creative or career person. And then over here, we have a different personal family, friends, relationships person. We are one person. And so if we can't find a way to have those two things work together, then there's always going to be that kind of like discord and, and the grinding and the fighting out of the two. So for me, you know, a lot of actors are told that they should strive for a Broadway run or a series regular on a network TV show or something like that. And those are wonderful, absolutely valid and brilliant aspirations if that's actually what you want. But those aren't the only two ways to have a career as an actor, as an artist. And once I was able to redefine for myself what I actually wanted out of my career, it was like this huge weight was lifted off of my shoulders. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, yes, that is actually what I want. I don't want to be on set for 14 hours every day of the week, 10 months out of the year. I, I want to have you know, more flexibility and more control over what jobs I take, what jobs I don't take and which projects I am able to move forward on my own. And it shifted the way I looked at the industry and it took a lot of the anxiety out of it. And then when you add that little baby into the mix, I I mean, my son is a toddler now, very much so. He's he's 18 months old almost next week and he's running around and crazy and it's I'm not gonna like sugarcoat it it is definitely a practice in patience to find ways to continue to honor what I need as a creative Mm. while still mothering an 18 month old who wants his mom and, you know, likes to cuddle and be on top of me all the time and snuggle and has temper tantrums and all of the things, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. Like I would not trade it for anything. So yes, creatively, my life has definitely changed, but for the better, because it, it forced me becoming a mom and having quote unquote, less time, although everybody still has 24 hours, like we all have 24 hours in a day. And it's just a matter of how you prioritize that time. When I became a mom, it made me get a lot more intentional about what activities were actually worth my time Mm. and my attention. And it made, it took away a lot of the busy work that was stressful or anxiety inducing. It also helped me see the value in like delegating things, Mm. other people, things that weren't worth my energy, my, you know, my attention. And yeah, I just, I I have found that being a mom has also as an actor given me access to this entire, like additional depth of emotion Mm. that has made all of my characters that I've played like fuller and richer and just more whole, even the characters that aren't moms. Whoa. Oh my gosh. I love that. That's so, first of all, thanks for, thanks for sharing all of that. Cause I think it's something, I think a lot of people can relate to that fear of like, am I going to give up that part of myself if, if I become a mom and, and I, cause I, I know I deal with that, mm-hmm. but just that reminder of like, no, it brings you kind of closer to who you truly need to be while cutting away all the fluff and like, because you don't have time for the fluff anymore. So it's like, and it, and it makes your life better as a whole. And even what you said about like it, being an, like 
being coming a mother has deepened and richened your inner life as an actor because I when I was acting a lot I always felt like I needed to have as many life experiences as possible to become a better actor because mm -hmm. how can I share the truth of of some experience if I've never experienced that myself or if I haven't like fully gone into the depths of what what it is to be a human. And so having those highs and lows of motherhood is such a beautiful way to look at that of like how that has really truly deepened the work in such a richer, more complex way. This is randomly coming up. So I'm just going to say it, but I remember actually when I lost my virginity, I had this moment where I was like, what was I even doing before that? Like, how <laughs> could I have been an actor if I hadn't even had this like basic human experience which like that's not to say that anyone you that you can't be an actor if you haven't lost your virginity but I remember having that moment of like oh this is such a an important part of the human experience that how could I truly be a truthful actor if I hadn't had that experience yet yeah so that kind of reminded me of that which is really funny <laughs> no that's so funny it's so true though there are all these like big life moments that can shift how you look at the world how you engage with art and and other people and you view situations differently I remember my father passed away when I was in college that was a brand like a brand shift that makes it so like rigid but that was a shift for me in the way that I approached my work creatively because this big thing had happened and then becoming a mom did the same thing and it's just I can name a bunch of little micro shifts that happen along the way too. exactly what you said, having all these life experiences, they make you so much fuller as an artist, no matter what medium you are. I think that artists need to experience the world. Otherwise their art is going to be like so narrow scoped. And it, it, how can, how can you, if we think of art as a reflection of life, how can you make art if you haven't lived? Right. Yeah. If you haven't really experienced life. Yeah. Right. I love that. Will you talk a little bit more about, actually, I'm curious about your work with voice, voice work. Cause I know you're yeah. a voiceover artist and I wonder what it's like to, yeah. What is your relationship like with your voice and how does that translate to your work? It's so funny. I was talking to somebody earlier today and they were like, Oh, you know, I've been thinking about getting into voiceover, but like, I don't like my voice. I don't have a pretty voice. And I was like, okay, but that is not a requirement anymore. First of all, so many people don't like their voice. Like so many people will say that about their voice Yeah. or on the flip side, you'll hear people be like, oh, I've been told that I have a nice voice. So maybe I should get in a voiceover. And it's like, okay, like maybe you would do great, but that's really like the, that, that isn't even really a requirement anymore. So much of voiceover these days is about sounding real and authentic and like natural. All the things that I learned how to do when I was studying theater about, you know, and vocals within theater, trying to get rid of vocal fry and upspeak and all of those things. Now I'm having to like add them back in <laughs> because everyone wants you to sound really unpolished these days and really like as if you were just talking to a friend or like talking to someone casually on the street. I had a session the other day for a commercial audition or a commercial recording. And they, the note they just kept giving over and over was like, even less, even less, even less flatter, even less. And I was like, 
okay, so I'm literally just not going to do anything right now. I'm going to like let all that vocal fry just get right in there. And here we go. So it's really interesting because I, I'm not a singer. I, I would love to, I like to sing like in the shower and in the car by myself and to my son, we make up a lot of silly songs together, (laughs) but I, you know, I, I did musical theater, but only as an ensemble member, I, I never took singing or dance lessons or anything like that, but I just kind of fell into voiceover for a really weird, like string of events. And it's less about making your voice sound a certain way. And it's more, it's acting just like on camera work, just like stage work. It is acting. It's about finding the truth in what you're saying and finding the authenticity of the character while being true to the tone of whatever it is you're recording for, whether it's video game or animation or commercial or educational Mm -hmm. audiobooks, everything has kind of its own tone and world just like on camera work does, or just like theater work does. So I really do think of voiceover as an extension of who I am as an actor. Mm, Yeah. I love that. I love that you said at the beginning, it's like, yeah, there's some, there's something that, that thing where it's like when people hear their voice recorded, they always feel like, oh, that doesn't sound like them or whatever, which is funny. Cause I was just reflecting on the fact that I used to have that where it's like, you know, I'd be like, oh, my voice, I don't sound like myself when I hear my voice back, but I'm like, wait, actually, I haven't really thought that in years, especially like now having the podcast and having my voice recorded and listening back to my voice. It's like, maybe I've just gotten used to it because it's mm-hmm. come with practice, but that I've never, I haven't really thought about that, that thing before where it's like, yeah, when you hear your voice back, it always sounds like weird or like, it just doesn't sound like you, but I love that you kind of pointed out that it's no different than any other, again, medium that you're telling a story. It's like you kind of approach those things in the same way. Yeah. It's always, and it's the shift to voiceover was kind of similar for, at least for me, from the shift from stage to on camera where it's, it's really just about where is the audience? So when you're on stage, your audience could be anywhere from several feet to hundreds of feet away from you. And you have to act in a way that tells the story for the people that are at the back, which means you're obviously volume and diction, but on top of that physically and all of that, all of those things are bigger just because to you, to the audience member at the back, you're like this tiny little thing and they still have to understand the story. On camera, the, the audience is essentially where the camera is. So the audience is so much closer to you and you just have to change your acting to fit that relationship with your audience. Mm. It's not, it's not that it's different. It's just that you're, you're moving where your people are and how you're going to relay that story changes just in the sense of like, I don't have to do as much physically because they can see my eyes and my eyes are telling the story now. Not that my eyes don't tell a story when I'm on stage, but that story doesn't get translated to the person at the back of the house. So my body has to help more. With voiceover, your voice is the thing that's translating the story. And so how do you use that one tool that you have to communicate the story that maybe otherwise you would tell with your eyes or tell with your body? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's cool to kind of, it's interesting because I, 
that's the world that I come from of like how to use your body and voice and eyes and like your instrument in order to tell a story. And over the past couple of years, I've really softened into this like deeper inner spiritual work where it's more about, yeah, using your body as a channel and as a vehicle, which I think there's the same thing. I think it's just like different ways of approaching it. Like, you know, one is kind of coming at it from like a technical standpoint, which when you can break it down, it makes total sense versus more of like a universal, more mystical standpoint, but they're both saying the same thing. So it's interesting talking to you today because I'm remembering and recalling all of these things like, oh yeah, it's not so like, oh, how do you do that? It's like, oh, of course you break it down of like where you're coming from. So I don't know if that makes sense to anyone else, but that makes sense to me. So yeah, just kind of reflecting on that. And one thing I wanted to ask you is, I know you mentioned something about how setting goals. So this kind of maybe relates in a way of like setting goals for yourself and allowing Mm -hmm. that to free up your creativity rather than stifling it rather than like putting pressure on yourself. So how, how do you work with that in, in setting a goal for yourself without having pressure, but allowing it to flow kind of more naturally? Yeah. I think this, the constant like struggle that we can face as creatives, right. is like, okay, if I, I I want to leave myself free to experience the, like the muses, impact on me or like strikes of inspiration. I tend to be a a lightning in a bottle type of writer where it's like, I can't make myself want to write. It's just like all of a sudden happens. And then, then the story comes out in like one session. How do you allow yourself to stay open to those opportunities without saying you're open to those opportunities, but they never come. And so then nothing ever happens. And you're like, okay, well now I'm not doing anything creative because I'm just waiting for creativity to strike and it never does. So this is something that I work with, with like clients and stuff. And obviously within my own work as well is finding that balance of structure and creativity, because ultimately with structure, we're leaving ourselves more open for those opportunities for strikes of creativity, but we're still moving ourselves forward. Even if we're not feeling like our utmost creative at the moment. I mean, think about it this way. We have acting classes that you can take or writing classes that you can take, and there's a deadline and a teacher and you have to do the thing. If we didn't have, if you didn't have a class like that, it would be so easy to just procrastinate and procrastinate and procrastinate and, and never get any forward progress on your creative goal. And now it's just sitting there and then you feel guilty about the fact that you haven't done it and guilt and stress do not feed creativity well at all. It's a block. It blocks you. And so then you're blocked and then you're frustrated and it's just like this vicious cycle. So what I like to do is I tend to, for myself and if, if it works for clients, because I will say this, I am very much of the belief that one thing does not work for everyone. We are all individuals. We are all different people. And so there is no one size fits all like suggestion for anything. And it's about finding what works for you. Mm. But for me, having creative routines that help me get into the mindset of being creative are super helpful. So when I talk about a creative routine, I mean, for me, especially writing morning pages is something that 
almost always will get me into that kind of creative, playful mindset, either because I get all the gunk out of like, I just vent about all the stuff that's bothering me. And then it's away. It's, you know, it's on the page and it's not in my soul anymore. And I can feel more open to work on whatever creative project is taking my attention at the moment. Or the morning pages can also just be that first initial spark of creativity. I might come to them really already excited and joyful. And it's like that first bout of creative energy that gets out on the page. And I can use that to either continue writing or working or kind of transition to a different mode of creativity after I'm finished with them. Also having an environment that feels like your creative home where you can go into that environment and just like you can look at whatever you have in that space, whatever it means for you. I have a pegboard behind me in my office that has like washi tape and scrapbooking paper. And I'm looking to see what else is on there. You know, just stick. Oh, there's so many stickers because I'm also a bullet journaler and a scrapbooker and just seeing those things. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm literally living in like my own little art studio. Like, Mm -hmm. and it's so fun having that, having that space for yourself where you can go into it. And it's almost like your little, your sacred creative space Mm -hmm. so that, you know, like when I'm in here, it's safe to be creative and there's no judgment here. And I don't have to share anything that comes out of here with anybody else. If I don't want to, Mm. it can be really easy to get focused on the outcome and not enjoy the process, but the process is what you're living in like 99% of the time. So how can you shift that mindset away from the final outcome without losing sight of the final outcome, because otherwise you can kind of spin in circles and spin in circles and not move towards what it is that you, you actually want, but focusing in on, you know, the steps that it takes to get towards the life that you want to be living, whether that is your habits or your routines or the tasks along the way towards the goal that you're working towards. How can you, how can you make sure that those are exciting milestones for yourself, exciting steps that will help you continue to live a life that is creatively fulfilled and, and essentially successful in a way while you're still working towards an end goal, if that makes sense. No. Yeah, it totally makes sense. And I really resonate with everything that you're saying, just that idea of setting up a sacred creative space. I I love that you said setting up a space where it feels safe to be creative. I think that is such a key point and giving yourself that space. And then also, like you said, kind of doing these like preliminary activities, it's kind of like a warm up, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's what I, you know, teach people too. It's like, you can't just sit down and expect like all this creativity to pour out of you. I mean, that happens sometimes, but sometimes you just got to warm up to it. You got to like open up the valve a little bit and you can do that by, you know, morning pages. Like you said, that's a perfect way to kind of like you said, get the gunk out and to kind of clear that channel again so that you can approach your creativity from this more open, clear space. And as as you were talking too, I I kind of had that, uh, another question kind of come up because I think that's 
so relevant too of like in school we have these projects and these deadlines and of course you're going to get it done because you have a project you have a deadline you have teachers holding you accountable but what i've discovered since leaving school and that part that's super kind of hard to cultivate for yourself is that sense of accountability mm-hmm. outside of yourself because you know if i tell myself i'm going to do something maybe i'll do it and maybe i won't but what would you say for that accountability piece? What has helped you or what has helped clients to really find that accountability? Yeah, no, it's, it's so true. And it's really, really common. Accountability is everything. There was a study that was done. I forget which institution did it, but they found that you were like 65% more likely to achieve a goal. If you told somebody else about it, and 98% more likely to achieve it if you had an appoint like an appointment or a meeting time by when you said you were going to do it and you like were meeting with somebody, which is just baffling, like mind. I, I, I can't even imagine why we are so willing to honor somebody else's expectations over our own, mm-hmm. but it is, it, we are, it's very natural. And so many people find it so much easier to deliver for somebody else than to deliver for themselves. And while I think that that's like heartbreaking and we should obviously work on valuing our own expectations of ourselves and valuing ourselves, there are also, we can also take that knowledge and use it to help ourselves and just be like, okay, like, yeah, I wish that I was more accountable to myself, but I'm not. And rather than fight that uphill battle, how can I use that knowledge to get the things done that I say that I want to get done? And it, you know, it is okay to not make everything be a self-help, like self-discovery drive in that moment rather than being like, no, I need to find a way that I can be more accountable to myself. Why not just put in place the systems that will help you do that? Find an accountability buddy or join a community or work with a coach, find a way to work within whatever it is that works with you and honor who you are as a person and what type of accountability will help you reach and do the things that you say that you want to do and that you do want to do, which is a huge reason why I started my community, which is actually called your creative life. And I loved that you kept saying my creative life over and over again, earlier in the conversation, I was sitting here like, yes, Exactly. Oh, I love that. So we have like every Monday I post about like, what is it that you're working on today? Monday accountability and people share exactly what it is they're hoping to get done that week. We also have co-working sessions together where we get together and work on the things that we say we're going to work on because just having like another person sitting there being like, are you doing the thing that you said you were going to do? Great. Me too. I'm doing the thing that I said I was going to do too. Like go us. It's, it's a game changer. And I've also had, you know, I've had accountability groups and accountability buddies through at various different times throughout my creative life. And those have always been instrumental in making that kind of leap from saying I'm going to do something and letting it procrastinate for, you know, 10 times longer than it should have taken versus actually making progress. I mean, can you think back to when you were in school, the amount of work that you got done? in a single right. week. <laughs> what? Like, how? honestly, that's a great thing to bring up of like the amount of stuff that we used to do as 
kids, honestly, like it's crazy. So it's so possible. And I love that idea of just setting up the systems and structures in place, because I think creativity is one of those things where it's, it, it makes me think of creativity makes me think of like this water element where it's really flowy. It's kind of elusive. You can like follow this path, but yet you need something to hold it. You need right. that, that container for it. And so the way that you can hold it is by setting up these systems and structures for yourself by having that accountability. And I just love that statistic too, that you shared because it really just points out how, how possible it is when we just, you know, do these little things to help us, these like things that really aren't that big of a deal, like, you know, joining a community that sounds so fun that that allows you to carve out that space for yourself every week so that you no longer have to think about it. Right. So you don't have to plan that out for yourself. It's just kind of already set up in your day. And when we take our creative dreams seriously, because I think that's another thing that people, I know that I've dealt with as a creative and I, and I know that other people have dealt with it too. The people that I've worked with is to, take your creative dreams and ideas seriously, mm -hmm. because I think we can so often we're given these gifts of ideas or projects that we want to create, but we kind of dismiss them for whatever reason. Maybe we feel like we're not good enough, or we feel like we don't have the time or we don't have the resources to be able to see it to fruition. But when you really like show up, I mean, to your creative life, which I love that that kept <laughs> coming up just so naturally of just when you show up and really take it seriously, it's like, so many beautiful things can unfold from that. So I just, I, I really am such a proponent too for systems and structures because that's the way that we can get shit done, which is like, <laughs> if you want to see your work in the world and you have that desire. And I love that you also shared that, like, you don't have to share everything that it's safe to be creative and you're not required to share it with anyone. Right. So that can be a practice just for yourself. Or if you really want, you know, a gift to be given to the world, if you want to tell a story, it's like, you have to be the like steward of your stories and of your dreams, which I think is really empowering for anyone to, to be able to understand and to really put into practice. Yeah. It's Stephen King talks about in his memoir on writing, which I think every creative should read because it's brilliant. Even if you're not a writer, you, you read it. Actually, I've never read it, but it's so funny because I love to share resources on this podcast. So I was going to ask you, like, what are some books or resources that you love? So you already kind of covered it. But and it's funny that I've never read that one because I've heard it. You know, I've heard about it many times. But yeah, so somehow I never read it. But now that you said that, I'm going to have that's going to be my next read. Highly recommend. And I'm, I, you know, I I write as a screenwriter more to just for the projects that I want to make. I'm not, you know, trying to pursue any kind of career in writing per se, but he talks about how he writes the first draft with the door closed and the, and revises with the door open, meaning he kind of, that first draft is for him and it stays with him. And then once he's ready to share it, then it goes, you know, then he takes into consideration the, the world, his audience, his, I think he talks about how his wife is always one of the first people he shares his manuscripts with. And I thought that's brilliant because it can be so easy. And I fall into this trap all the time as a creative. I also have a very like logical producer type brain that can get in the way of my creativity a lot. And I have to remind myself like, Right now I'm using my creative brain and I can let any, any scenario be possible. When I am ready to bring in the producer brain, I will do that. And I know that she is there 
waiting to be helpful when it is her turn, but it is not her turn right now. Right now it is creative brain's turn. So let's not shut down ideas before we've allowed them to happen. And then we can open it up to reality or the constraints of a budget or the constraints of time. Uh, When we were working on the 48 hour film festival, we, so the way it works is at like seven o'clock or whatever it was, we got two genres that we had to choose between one of the two genres to make our film in. We got a line of dialogue that had had to be included in the film, a character that had to be in the film and a prop that had to be in the film. So we knew none of that ahead of time. And, and so we dove right into the, you know, story planning process of like, okay, with these prompts, what could our film be? And the first like 45 minutes, we kept kind of butting up against this, like, yeah, but how do we do that in 48? Like how? No, no. And it was the opposite of a good improv exercise without the yes. And it was kind of like, "Mm, I don't know. Mm, I don't know. And I literally said to my husband at one point, I was like, for the next hour, and I said it more for myself because he's the dreamer and I'm the logical one sometimes when we're doing film stuff. But I said, for the next hour, we are not thinking about the logistics of the ideas that we come up with. We are just coming up with ideas. Mm. And we figured out our story in the next 10 minutes. Whoa. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of releasing that and allowing it to open up in that way. That's so cool. And that's such a perfect example too, of just like how creative you can be in such a short amount of time. And the fact that you can produce a whole film from start to finish in 48 hours and getting these prompts that you didn't know beforehand, but obviously you know, you, you had a starting place, you had something to go off of, you had like this spark of inspiration. So I think, uh, yeah, that's such a cool experience. And I think that's a great reminder for people listening that you can kind of create those parameters for yourself. You can either do a marathon like that or sign up for something like that Mm -hmm. or work with a friend on something like that. It's like, if you want to start, you know, allowing things to bubble and allowing things to form and take shape, you can create those constraints for yourself and just kind of go for it, you know, just back to our, let's just, let's just do it. Just, just do it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. So as we're wrapping up, I'd love to hear if there's any other resources that you love. I know you mentioned the artist way, which we Mm -hmm. love the artist way here, but anything else that has really helped you either on your creative journey or just like something that you're really inspired by right now, or something that you read recently or watched recently, anything of the sort, we love to hear all the resources. (laughs) Um, yeah. So the artist way, obviously Steven Pressfield's war, the war of art. Oh yeah. Love that one. And we talked about on writing. I love that memoir. I'm going to plug an app that has theoretically nothing to do with creativity, but everything in my opinion, which is Libby. Mm. Listeners, you, everyone, Libby is an app that connects to your library card. So you can get audiobooks and eBooks through the app. So it's right onto your phone. And I genuinely believe that libraries are like the most underutilized, amazing resource that we have, like free resource that we have, especially as creatives and storytellers, because I think at least for me personally, continuing to experience stories 
of any kind, whether it's a book, an audiobook, it's a film, any of those processes, those stories can feed your own creativity and can inspire and spark or act as a prompt for your own creative work. And so having access to those things at your fingertips, I literally go into this app every single day and I'm like constantly using it. So I would say like, take advantage of your library because they're amazing and really great free resources that I don't want to see kind of fizzle out and die. And yeah. so many libraries are, you know, always talking about like, we, we need funding or we need help. And it's like, no, but everybody should be using them because they're so amazing. Oh, I'm so glad. I don't think anyone actually has ever shared that before, but I'm so glad you did because I feel the same way about libraries. And it's like, it's free. You don't have to go on Amazon. And I've got kind of gotten in a bad habit where I've if there's a book that I want to read, I'll go on like Amazon and download it to my Kindle. Mm -hmm. I love those like physical books. And just the fact that you can explore different genres and topics, you can explore a new part of the library. Like the fact that you can now do it through your phone and just get the audio book or whatever, like whatever works for you. That's such an important reminder to take advantage of your libraries. So Mm -hmm. I definitely feel that. So, and if you like eBooks, you can send them to your Kindle. That's true. This app it's awesome. So I do that too. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Corey. And where can people find you? Where can they connect with you? How can they get involved with your creative life and all of that? Yeah. So I'm mostly active on Instagram at creating with Corey and Corey spelled C-O-R-R-I-E. It's a little felt a little different. So that's where I'm most active on social. Also feel free to email me or DM me. My email is Corey at CoreyLiche.com. And for your creative life, if you go to yourcreativelifecommunity.com, you can find all that you want to learn about the community and join. It's, you know, I try to keep it at a price point that it's accessible to everybody and love to see you in there. But if you have any, if anybody has any questions about that or just anything I've talked about today, feel free to reach out. I'm, I am clearly an extrovert who likes to talk to people (laughs) and I love to get to know new people in any capacity. So I look forward to, to connecting with you all. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. We'll put all of that information in the show notes and just wanted to say thank you for reaching out and for just having this conversation. It's so fun. Like just connecting with someone who totally gets it. I feel like we have similar backgrounds and stuff. So (laughs) Just wanted to say thank you. And yeah, we'll we'll catch up with you later. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed that episode and thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, please feel free to share it with a friend and tell them what inspired you. Or if you'd be so kind, you can rate and review the podcast. And when you do, I would love to gift you my free guided writing meditation that will connect you to your creativity, yourself, and your spirituality. Just go on over to my Instagram at Leah Van Doren. That's L-E-Y-A-V-A-N-D-O-R-E-N and send me a screenshot of your review and I will send over the meditation and I would love to hear your thoughts. Stay inspired, stay creative, and keep shining your creative soul.